This is 15 Minutes to Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Nidell, and today's episode, I Kissed a Girl. So over the course of the weekend, I was having a conversation with a new acquaintance of mine. I'll even call him a friend. Got in northern Ohio, and he was sharing with me that through this podcast, he's brought up all these similarities that he didn't know that him and I would have. You know, he's a little bit younger than I am, and come to find out we have much of the same history, much of the same story from our upbringing to some of the things that we would call limiting factors. The only difference being that I have 10 years of advanced time on the earth than he has. He's 24, I'm 34. And through that, it got me thinking about all the different stories that I could share, all the things that would make me even maybe more relatable. You know, because I, I look at it truly at this point in life, I am just a combination and a culmination of life's events up to this point. And we all have life events. We all have things that we have been through or that quote unquote define us. Now, I know at this point I define my own story, but if I look back, there's been some pivotal moments in my life that have some sort of value, and, and this is one of them. So I was a late bloomer, you could say. You know, in elementary school, middle school, junior high, high school, I was kind of an awkward kid. You know, I was lanky and skinny, maybe a little bit socially awkward. You know, was definitely the type that had one or two really close friends, and that was it. You know, kind of stuck to myself. I would have been someone that would have been referred to as intellectual, probably even intelligent in my own right, but that was it. Like I was not known for anything. I was not an amazing athlete. I wasn't incredibly brilliant. I was just a kid, you know, a kid that had a bowl cut and wore Adidas Samba's tennis shoes. Like that was me. That was what made me back then. So through that, you know, as, as you progress from elementary school to middle school and into junior high and high school, you know, that elementary school to, to junior high or, or in that junior high time period is when most hormones start racing for most men and women. And in that racing of hormones, most guys start dating girls or vice versa and, you know, first kisses and maybe even potentially some sort of sexual intimacy up to that point. Well, that certainly was not my story. I didn't have a serious girlfriend until my senior year of high school. And when I say serious girlfriend, like I didn't, I didn't even casually date people all the way through high school. And it wasn't because of some sort of, you know, moral uh, disassociation that I had. The reason I didn't date someone in high school is because I couldn't. I couldn't find someone that wanted to date me. It just wasn't available. So, I mean, I, of course, I had friends and I had, had people in my life, but no woman, no social interaction. So, needless to say, spent plenty of alone time on the quote-unquote computer. Take that for what you wanted to. So, as, as I progress... And I, I can remember going into my senior year of high school. We're all together at a friend of mine's house. His name was Brandon Vassell. And Brandon had an older brother named Tony. Tony was probably three years our senior. So I'm going into my senior year. Tony's probably a sophomore in college, maybe even a junior. And we're over, over at the Vassell's house. And it's myself and a guy named Taylor Bogner and Mike Martin. And there's this, there's this list. There's eight or ten guys. And eventually we get to the point of Tony's encouraging us as we're using... AOL Instant Messenger, or AIM. I know some of your younger listeners have no idea what that is, but it was how we used to communicate. It was before text messaging. Like We would all sit around a computer, and you'd chat with people that you knew. And so he's sitting on the computer, and it's you know, 10, 30, 11 at night, and he spins around his chair, remember it very vividly, in this ranch-style house that you know, was a little bit older, probably a, a late 80s house. And we're sitting there, and the windows are open, and it's a, a warm summer's night, probably July, and it's Spins around and says, you know, what have we all done sexually with a girl? Whatever that would be. Instantly, my palms start sweating. 
Like I'm trying to hide. I'm trying to think of a reason I can leave. I'm trying to think of any, anything I can do to not be in that moment. And so I'm fortunate in my seating position. I'm all the I'm the last guy that's going to have to go. So we start with Tony and Tony's done names on him again. He's a, he's a college sophomore at bare minimum. And as a, as a college sophomore, he's done anything, everything, things at that point in life. I didn't know you could even do. He was doing. And we progress around and it goes guy by guy and everybody's, you know, first base, second base, third base, whatever you want to call. But everybody has experienced almost the entire breadth of what there is to offer from a female companion. Then we get to me and I'm sitting there sheepishly sweating, palms sweaty, nervous. Like, look, I I haven't done anything. And they think I'm trying to be coy. They think I'm trying to keep it inside like I don't want to share and so they push and push, and I, I have to eventually come clean. Like, I haven't even kissed a girl yet. It hasn't happened. And again, this is, I'm 17 years old, July, going into my senior year of high school, and I have yet to kiss a girl, period. I think the biggest thing I've probably done up to that point is maybe hold hands with somebody. Now, of course, I dated some women from my sophomore and junior year, but date was a period of time, and I was afraid to kiss somebody. Like, I didn't know what it was. I, I thought it was something much more monumental than maybe I would view it right now, but it was nerve wracking for me. It was something I wasn't ready to do. And so they keep poking and poking and poking. And finally, I'm like, look, just like knock it off. I haven't done anything before, I swear. And so they all think it's hilarious because again, I'm sitting around this room, eight, 10, 12 guys, all of them with different sexual experiences than I have, obviously. And then Tony spins around his chair and is hopping on Instant Messenger. And not only is he telling people that I haven't kissed somebody, but he's now propositioning women to come over so that I can kiss them. Like that, that's, that's not my reality in this moment. So now it's probably 11 o'clock at night, pitch blackout, still warm out. And he, we find somebody or he finds somebody. And of course she wants paid to come over and kiss me. It's not enough that she'll just come over and kiss me. She wants paid and she, she's someone that's older. She's in Tony's grade. So she's again, a sophomore in college, maybe, maybe even a junior at this point. And so, of course, we're all broke high school kids. So everybody's, you know, it's, it's almost endearing now. But when I look back, it was so embarrassing. Everybody's pulling out their wallet. Like, how much change do they have in their pocket? How many dollars? And by the time we scrounged together all the change we had and all the dollars, I think we had like $11.25. Like, that's how much my first kiss ended up being worth was $11.25. So in this, there's, there's communication back and forth with one of my friends, Taylor Bogner, and his sister is Kristen Bogner. And Kristen had a friend over at their house in an adjacent neighborhood named Chrissy Finello. And so Chrissy ended up being the target of said $11.25 opportunity. So she comes over and we're explaining this whole situation to her. And I can feel my face just as it's getting red right now. I can feel it getting red in the moment. And I'm so embarrassed. Like now I have all these guys. I have Taylor's older sister and I have Chrissy in this small room, you know, maybe a 12 by 15 room. And we're sitting there. They're like, all right, here's the money. You have to do it. Now it's like midnight, maybe even later. And she's like, I need a drink first. So they go get her a drink. So not only has she been paid $11.25, but now she's having to drink to kiss me. Like talk about an ego booster as a 17-year-old man. Like this is my reality. I have this woman who I find to be attractive in the moment that is having to be paid and also liquidly lubricated in order to, to kiss me. 
all right, so I, so she gets a little, you know, loosened up or whatever you want to say. And so I think we're going to go into this secluded room. I think it's going to be her and I one-on-one -on -one and come out and that maybe even in this room, I could kind of fake it. You know, I could, we could tell everybody I kissed her because then this is not how I wanted my first kiss to be. But no, because everybody else chipped in the money, that wasn't my choice. My choice ended up having to be that I got to sit in an old lazy boy recliner. She sat kind of adjacent catty quarter across my lap. And then she was going to have to kiss me in front of all these people. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this is crazy. Like, why does this have to be the way that my life is? So she sits there, and there's small talk. And then it's like this, this tension, not sexual tension by any means, tension of everybody in the room waiting for me just to kind of get this over with. Because to me, again, this is this monumental decision. This is the biggest thing I've done up to this point sexually with a woman is this. And yet, to all these guys in the room, it's nothing. Like, why won't I just do it? Why won't I just go ahead and take the step forward? So she leans in and, and we end up kissing. They're counting. Like I remember them counting out loud and I'm mortified. Like, this is so embarrassing, but I'm kissing this, this woman. Everybody's watching and I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know if it's, the, you know, where my hands are supposed to be. I can feel them sweating. They're even sweating right now telling you guys a story. Like, that's how traumatizing this was in the moment. And we wrap up and, you know, gosh, maybe 10, 15 seconds. I don't remember the exact time period, but it was, it was short. But it felt like an eternity in the moment. And so we finish and then, every, you know, we, everybody's laughing and poking fun at me. And gosh, if there were camera phones back then, I'm sure they would have been taking videos and, and all that stuff. But this is before camera phones. This predates an iPhone. Back then, we still had flip phones. I think I was having a, um, oh, a Motorola StarTac was, was my phone at that point. And so all this stuff finishes. It, it concludes the girls stick around a little bit longer. She actually takes the $11.25 and her and Kristen leave. And that's it. Then, it, then life goes back to normal, at least in that moment. And so my first kiss ended up being a girl that was propositioned from AOL Instant Messenger that was pushed by a group of probably 10 other men to kiss me in front of them so that I could experience what they'd already experienced. Now, the irony of the situation is I've seen Chrissy 30 times since then. And we laugh about it. And at one point I dated a girl that she was friends with and we told the story and it was, it was humorous, you know, it was endearing in hindsight, but in the moment it was so traumatizing. And so I'm sharing the story with you because I'm realizing how many times in life based off social pressure or peer pressure or what other people have done or said they should do that I've taken action based off what they think is right. When I knew in my heart, that wasn't what I wanted for my first kiss. That wasn't at all what I was hoping for. That wasn't what I desired. That wasn't the mental image I'd painted. But I allowed peer pressure and social pressure to adversely affect me. Like that, that seared in me. Now it's a memory that I can never shake. And I guess I don't really want to shake it, but that shouldn't be how my first kiss was. So the social pressures of how things are, are pushed upon me affect the decisions I, I was making. And how many other times in life that's happened between, you know, how you drive a car, to the business relationships you get into, to the friendships you have, to the decisions you make, positive and negative, with, with women and other individuals in your life, there's all this external social pressure that doesn't fucking mean anything. All that matters is what you feel inside. It matters what you know to be right. It matters what you know is true. And not in your head, but in your heart. Because the head's always going to fucking confuse you. The head becomes too logical. The head's going to tell you to go left when your heart says go right. And society has told you to start thinking with your head. But intuition 
and your heart is never going to lead you wrong. So as I wrap up today's episode, I'm going to encourage you to think how many different places in your life are you being forced to kiss this girl? Are you being forced to, to do something that you know ultimately isn't the right thing to do? Maybe it's in your business where you're being forced to not take that leap and step out and start your own business. Even though you know you want to, you have this great idea, you have this burning desire and passion, but you're stuck. You're staying at home, home base, working for somebody else. Maybe it's in your relationship where you know you want a better relationship than you have now, but you're afraid to make that step because you're afraid of being alone. That would have been my story. I was afraid to be alone, so I never broke up with someone I should have. Or maybe it's in your body. Maybe the story that you're telling yourself is that you always had to be a bodybuilder because you, you were overcoming insecurities. Again, that was my story forever. So I needed all this muscle and all this, this size to shield off the bad stuff that happens in the world. That's just a story. And I control my story just like you control your story. And if you control your own story, you can decide how it goes. So all these things, all these different actionable items equate to putting one foot in front of the other every day in chase of a goal that you have. Another way to say it is every day you have to make sure that you get shit done. Hey guys, Ryan here. Thanks for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume audio and subscribe to 15 Minutes to Freedom. If this brought you value, please do me a favor and drop me a five-star rating. Then share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. For additional content, head over to ryannidell.com. That's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L.com.